It's Great Mondays Radio. I'm Josh Levine, your host, founder of Great Mondays. We help executives from hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations build cultures that attract, engage, and retain top talent. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, hang out for about 20 minutes and I'll tell you how. Welcome to Great Mondays Radio. Uh, I am so excited to have today with me the CEO of Costa Rica Call Center, Richard Blank. Um, He is a Philly boy who moved to Costa Rica to set up shop and has done some really incredible things uh, when it comes to building a call center and a culture in a call center. So welcome, Richard. It's so good to have you. When did you first feel like you understood or that it became apparent that culture was important in business? Was this something you were always aware of or um, did it dawn on you when you first started your own business? Tell me the story. Well, it was really about positive reinforcement when I was a little, little boy. But before I tell you my story of twists and turns, Josh, I can't thank you enough for having me as a guest today. I love your show. Great Mondays radio. Wait till I share some stuff with you and your audience. But I grew up from a very uh, generous family. And during, I guess, the winter and and the spring, we used to take trips. And so when I would leave the United States and especially going south to, let's say, Mexico, uh, not only would I come back with at least 20 or 30 new vocabulary words, but besides just lying on a beach and playing games, the fact that there's this other culture, other language, and there was such a reinforcement as a child that I gravitated towards it and I took it a step further instead of falling under the pressures we have with opinions and career expectations. I decided when I graduated the proud Abington High School to move to Arizona, study Spanish and be a major at the university. And this momentum I had, Josh, took me abroad to Costa Rica when I was 27 years old and Mm. it just hasn't stopped. Oh, that's amazing. So when we think about um, culture and, and what did you, when you set up your business, when you moved and you, and you had decided I'm going to set up a call center, did you go in intentionally thinking about culture? And if so, what did that mean? And if not, when did that shift for you? I was a guest in this country. Prior to starting my own company, I was given the opportunity to work at my friend's call center for four years. So Josh, I learned the business from the inside out. It's almost like putting your toe in the water and testing without any sort of repercussion. And so by learning the business, I got to see the good and the bad and the happy and the sad. And I I learned what the agents were looking for. So when it came my turn to throw my hat in the ring in my mid thirties with maturity, impulse control and some capital, (laughs) I needed to balance the two. I needed to learn the labor laws and I needed certain individuals such as accountants, attorneys and human resources directors to assist me in that area. But on the flip side, there's a fun portion of of my life. And I'm a avid collector of classic pinball machines, retro arcade machines that you see behind me, jukeboxes. So I wanted a recess. I wanted a neutral environment where people could let off steam, recharge batteries, hang out with me and meet people from other departments and, and also my dear friend to play games that are A, older than they are, and B, that they've never tried before. Virtual pinball on the internet is a lot different than a classic machine that's in front of you. And so I needed that release. I needed that play. I needed that sort of bonding. That was one of the things that gave me an advantage and leverage 
when competing against the big centers like Amazon, HP, Intel, Oracle, and Sykes Teleperformance. But, you know, by giving someone their dignity, Josh, that, mm. I think that's cross-cultural. By showing empathy, that's another thing that anybody in any language can understand. Mm -hmm. and, and just by being accountable, responsible, showing them that I'm in this to win this. These are, these are things I can express with my mouth closed and any culture could understand. And so I really did things at a small pace that there were a lot of checkpoints. And I just wanted to make sure that I asked questions prior to doing something to ensure that I wasn't overstepping boundaries and, and really learning my place in this culture. Call centers, uh, I was just looking up some data, call centers have some of the highest turnover rates. Oh yeah. I'm looking I'm looking at numbers at like 30 to 45% annual turnover. Sure. Um, and that, I, I just knew that before we even got started, I just had that number. And I mean, I didn't have a number, but I had that fact in the back of my head. Like I know call centers are just, you just, you know, theoretically leaders of call centers burn through employees. It's just a lot of work. Tell me what, just, I mean, out of personal curiosity, why, why is that the norm? Why is that that that's what's happening in, in, I mean, you had experience working in a call center for four years. Now you run one. What typically happens that, why are people, why are so many people leaving and how do you specifically confront that? I mean, is that you're, you're just showing a lot of empathy and allowing them to play some pinball games and then they're able to stay longer because of that? It's a, it's a little bit deeper than that. First and foremost, Hollywood glamorizes call centers, telemarketing and sales. So I admire the art. I might not admire the sort of conversion that they're doing. Maybe if you're compromising your ethics, values and morals, you might quit a job. There's a thousand ways to earn a dollar. You shouldn't have to do things like that. Secondly, you might not have a quality control department, supervisors or people that are actually onboarding and ramping you up. Mm. Fear has come from the unknown. So if you're not prepared for battle, of course, you're not going to enjoy it. I also believe that here in Costa Rica, call centers pay more than most vocations. So A, they're getting a return on their investment for their English. And secondly, if you can really have them focus on the art of speech, it makes them a lot more marketable, a lot more self-reliant. Mm. And so these are sort of individuals that can build upon those skills. Now, Yes, there is a huge attrition rate. You'll get a rainy Wednesday when a client screams F you on the phone or you're on the phone for two hours and you can't resolve something. Well, that's, that's the price you pay. That's part of the game. But then again, you know, in this industry where you say there's large turnover, I survived. Not only that, I thrived. And just like in the movie Gladiator with Maximus, that one old gladiator found him and taught him how to be a gladiator. And so I have my scars. I've been making mm -hmm. phone calls for close to 30 years. I've been doing it in this environment for two decades where you have a predictive dialer and a lot more structure and discipline that can only add the skills. But if you still see the art of speech, realizing that interpersonal communication is much more effective today then omni-channel non-voice support, which is chat and email. So imagine my good friend, the frustration somebody has with the latency of getting a response or a resolution. They finally get you on the phone. Now they're screaming and cursing at you. Yes. Your fault, Josh, you're just on the front line. We've all, had, we've all experienced that, right? Yeah. That's one of the reasons why, my friend. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So what can, so you're, you're an advocate for, being able to 
educate your team on the power of speech and engagement and conversation. Is there something that you might be able to share with our listeners who aren't necessarily running call centers, but are running businesses where people have to interact with one another as well as with their customers? What have you found to be what's I know you have I'm, you have years of decades of experience so I'm not going to ask you to share everything that you know That's but fine. it just struck me and I didn't give you this I didn't give you the question beforehand because I didn't think about it but it seems to me like this is something this is the core of what your your skill is or and you, what you're sharing is this ability to engage with people and teach them how to use their voice and to speak with people especially in predisposed negative situations where someone's already probably maybe already pissed off. Of course, it is conflict management, but I'm gonna mention earlier about interpersonal communication. It's much more effective because you can get an upsell. You might get a referral, mm-hmm. right? You could possibly even get an exit interview from somebody just in case you're not doing something correctly. And so think about sort of the values that you get when speaking with somebody. These are things that are just natural. I'm not creating magic dust right now. And secondly, I believe in readjustments of tones. I mean, if you're making an outbound prospecting phone call and you start asking how Josh is feeling, you're going to sound like a salesman. They'll hang up on you. I, I believe in things like a company name spike. So I'm going to ask how great Monday's radio is doing today. It's going to throw you off a little bit. And then the gatekeeper is going to ask who you are. You politely introduce yourself, but you show active listening. There's a way to rake questions where you you repeat it back to them. You you say, hey, Josh, that's a great question. My name is Richard Blank. I mean, there's very easy ways to readjust tones. And I'm going to give you a million dollar bit of advice. We call them positive escalations. Prior Mm. to being transferred to you from your gatekeeper that I was able to get the pass to pitch, I'm going to let them know prior to the transfer that they were amazing. When the call is transferred, before introducing myself, I'm going to give the gift of letting you know how amazing Jennifer was. So then again, your defense drops from a 10 to a 2. I'm not lying. I'm not manipulating. I'm being normal. All I'm doing is being a little bit different from the 99 other people that are trying to get in and to speak with you. I like confirmation questions. I like checkpoints and tie downs. I like things that make sense or sounds good, right? I like using your name, Josh, for transitional sentences or just tie downs at the end. Remember personal pronouns such as your and are should give those quarter second slides to get their attention again because my good friend, these calls are non-visual. A lot of the stuff that you see is face-to-face so you can see the sort of uh, clues or micro-expression reading. Yeah. For me, I look for the tell signs when there might be confirmations, when someone is hesitating a little bit too much or they speak a little bit louder, softer, faster, or slower. These are first-time reads. And so I think if you have checkpoints every 30 seconds to two minutes, just like the show Get Smart, you won't leave a door open. And people are always wondering why after 20 minutes you don't have a, an appointment or some sort of confirmation from somebody or an agreement. Mm-hmm. It's because you were rushing. And I always believe in taking things horizontal and vertical. If you get any sort of interest, stop, drop and roll. Stop what you're doing, drop the next topic and roll with what you got. And then why don't you start asking open-ended questions? I'll give you the best example. Josh, Mm -hmm. do you like ice cream? How about Josh, what type of ice cream do you like? I'll still get the answer, you love ice cream. Now you're telling me it's triple scoops, chocolate with Jimmy's on top. You might be able to stack answers 
my friend. And in the philosophy of Wu Wei, this is wind in your sails and currents in the water. This is least resistance. Mm -hmm. So this is not forcing a hand that some people try to do in sales. It's if you look at yourself as an educator and the philosophy is from an educated point of view, you make a decision. Then I've done everything I had to do. And so once again, you will right. be able to see that you're moving right. forward. My good friend, this is what we do here. Yeah. And methodical. And, and it seems to work. That's interesting. So um, you've obviously got a great business. You've invested in this. Um, one of the things that my audience loves to hear about is learning moments. And that was why I was asking you about how they can engage and, and you know, what could they learn from you? Sure. What is a moment? And you can tell me uh, uh, either something that worked and you experimented with something with your culture that worked and we can learn from it, or maybe something that you tried and you said, you know what, good effort that didn't work. What did I learn? It's very simple. When we were raised, the best coaches were the ones that called the balls and the strikes. Let you know if your tie's off a little bit and a best friend tells you if you have mustard on your face. Also being from Northeast Philadelphia, I can give you a heavy dose of Philly guilt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, hey, Josh, you know you're better than that. Come on, last week I saw you do 15. Yeah. I'm gonna call you out on it. Yeah. I'm also gonna do whatever it takes for you to go to distance and win. Mm -hmm. I was mentioning earlier my medium of a gamification culture. Not everybody plays pinball. Well, if it's not the pinball, then maybe we go outside to get some ice cream, put some water on your face, or if you just wanna do it the old fashioned way, let's pull a recording. Let's sit down besides the KPIs, which are our key performance indicators where you ask qualifying questions, you confirm things. That's what I'm paying you to do, Josh. Right, right. What right. I'm looking for is the time you anchor with the client on the phone where you, you put the selling aside. I'll give you a great example. Since people are working from home now, there's a chance you could hear a child in the background or a distraction or let's use a dog. A yeah. dog, right? Always so a dog's dog. barking in the background, right? Instead of saying, Josh, I can't hear you. No, it's killing the call. What I've told my, my agents to do is inadvertently and passive aggressively do three things. They're going to say, hey, I love dogs. Uh, what's the name of your dog? What breed is your dog? How old is your puppy? <laughs> you know, nice puppy. You know, it's 14 years old. But these are the sort of things where the client understands that you love dogs too, realizing it's time to put the puppy outside. They come back and it's, Usually the time when they ask my name again, not in the introduction or the conclusion, but in the body of the phone call, mm -hmm. that's when I know I got you. Yeah. So instead of pushing and shoving and twisting and turning, it's really yours to lose because if you really want to talk about the number one connection, that's it. Yeah. Everything else is secondary. And so we try to find those gems or uncover those, those things on every single phone call. When I think about culture and I think about call centers, um, I think about my experience that the experience that I had at Zappos. So okay. I I spent some time at Zappos, not as an employee, but as a as a guest, a few days at a at a conference. Sure. And I got to spend an afternoon with one of their call center employees. Okay. And the story that they absolutely the the dog is is definitely one of the key things, and you pick up on that. And they're trained. The story I remember is that they had shifted. Tony Shea, the CEO, um, had shifted the um, incentives 
from reduced time on the call to actually maximizing the time on the call in order to create a connection. Because what he was hoping to do is, of course, make a sale, but he wanted to create a loyal and engaged customer. And I wonder if that story, is that something that I just happen to know about? Is that is that something that you believe in? Is that idea um, prevalent now? How does, how does that, because he, he was known for his culture, the way that he engaged. I think he used a lot of the same things that you're using, Richard, which is, you know, caring and engage. I mean, he just really cared about his employees. And, and so that to me was a huge flip that a realization about that, even before I had met you, even in call centers, you can create a really engaged culture. Yes. When you're pressured to make X amount of calls per hour and all they look at at the end of the day are just those numbers, those make sense. I don't expect you to be on the phone call 45 minutes on an average five minute talk time. Sure, there's the occasional 15, possibly even 20 minute call that rarely happens. But mostly it's almost like a betting in Vegas. You kind of know what the line is. Yes. The average is five minutes. It could be two minutes a quickie. 10 minutes stops. Yeah. And so you, you give that wiggle room and you look at the conversion ratios, you look at the talk times, how many times they spoke with people. Is it a sort of process where you're building a pipeline where you need to speak to somebody a second or a third time? Are you taking into consideration since more people now are letting it go directly to voicemail, are you doing more of a custom-made voicemail or an email template? Because sending me an email template sucks. But if you just take two minutes to go to my website, you'll see I'm from Philly. I collect pinball machines and I have an art deco building. That's all you need to write or leave a message on. And I'm going to give you five minutes. It's yours to lose. And so to answer your question, make 84 calls a day. Don't give me 100 and give me custom-made emails and voicemails. Take, take notes from the gatekeeper that are giving you goodies in regards to anniversaries, promotions, or, or just fun company culture that they're celebrating. And if you want to know the odds, you're just going to separate yourself from others. That's it. And so the odds will be in your favor, at least if they're looking at you, you will be the shining object. And as long as your price point is there and you can show good faith prior to contracts, by all means, you can build a company just like I did. Yeah. What I'm taking away from all this is what you had what you mentioned, which is this principle of active listening and not just from a philosophical standpoint, but you are, everything that you've said is I'm hearing you. All the signals are, um, I know that you do X, Y, and Z. So I've invested in you. I'm learning from you. I'm hearing from you. And to me, we had just I just did an activity with an executive board around active listening because of the power of questions and answers. And when you can really listen and someone feels really heard, that relationship is so incredible that that building of that relationship. And it's, it's something we do all the time. We talk with one another, but if you're just passing them through the hall, then it's, you know, it's like you, haven't been able to connect with them and, and putting a little more energy and learning the skills that you're talking about, I think is really powerful. I think there's something to it and you're happen to be applying it to a sales center, but 
in my mind, I think these are incredible skills that every leader should hope to imbue in their employees and their teams. Sincerity, that's how you can get it or not. I'll give you the best example. It's not their fault, but it's practice. It's, it's hedging. When some people say, okay, great, wonderful, you do that on every answer. Maybe the one answer is not positive. I have a law firm that I work with. We do intake coordination. So we deal with people that have wrongful termination, lawsuits. So I'm confirming dates with you, where you were fired, what happened. So instead of saying, so you were fired on May 5th, great. That's not great. You should no. say, so Josh, you were fired on May 5th. Is that correct? Yes. Thank you. What's your address? One, two, three, Main Street. Wonderful. No, it's not. It's crack infested. So your, your address is one, two, three, Main Street. So people need to sell the sizzle when something's positive. Yeah, it's my 10 year anniversary. That's great, Josh. You know, but if it's something that you're not sure, a certain date or certain things that could be questionable, don't hedge. That's lazy. You mm. want to talk about engagement. That is engagement. They're listening. But it, my brother, it doesn't sound sincere. And so when you repeat the same answer back and forth, it's annoying. So that's why I like to tail end something. I like to capture the end of you like an island and jump to another island so I can bridge it together. Mm. Those things work. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I like that. I like when people take meeting minutes. I like military alphabet. And so because some people might have exotic names and the last thing you want is an email bouncing back and they're always afraid that they're going to be insulting somebody. Actually, quite the contrary. People are too afraid to ask them yeah. how to properly pronounce their names because, you know, the Latinos, they have their vowels differently. It sounds a little bit different from A-E-I-O-U. And so I can write words out phonetically for my agent so they can say it properly. They still need to know how to spell it, Yeah, but I can cheat. And allow them phonetically yes. to ensure that it fits yes. so people can understand them. And so you're, you're asking me advantages. These are, these are legal advantages that I'm able to do. But what it's doing is assisting the agent, as I mentioned, for momentum building and self-confidence. And, and finally, we use a thesaurus because I can immediately readjust the tone. Hmm. Don't use the word help. Josh, how may I help you? First, people say, how can I help? It's may. How may I help you? I don't want to may help you. Josh, how may I guide you, assist you? How may I lend a hand? There's always ways to adjust it diplomatically, strategically, mm. and power up vocabulary. And also, I believe in falling on swords. We mentioned dogs barking, bed, cell connections. Who knows? I'm going to say, Josh, for my clarification, was it ABC or one, two, three, when your dog is barking like crazy? So fall on certain swords to avoid any sort of ego defenses or people losing their frustration, realizing it's their end that needs to be adjusted because of the distraction. And right. so there are ways you can do this without insulting people and keeping the tone positive. So I can't end our call, our, our, our episode here, without asking about. Um, AI, chat GPT, you know, voice support, all of the automations. And you mentioned it before, and clearly you're a believer in and have invested your career in humans. Are you looking, is there, are there opportunities that you're looking to incorporate more automation, more AI? Um, or do you believe that it is more, uh, there's not, the value that you provide 
can't be augmented or can't be supplanted with that with this new technology. Or maybe it's maybe it's not either or. I don't know. You remember the pen pal letters you got yes. back in the day growing up? Yes, absolutely. You you have the undivided attention. You you you're reading it, but it also could be misinterpreted. Mm. And so it's the same thing with AI. People can fill out forms, they can write things, they can say things, but they may not convey really how they're feeling. And so um you know, a lot of the times it, it's really cures instead of preventions because people think that they're ahead of the curve and doing AI and, and that's what people want. Not really. I mean, they, they do to a certain extent if they don't want to be bothered, but if it's a code red and it's something very sensitive, yeah. they really do like to speak with somebody, myself personally, with my credit card company or with a bank or with my attorney. I'm just old fashioned that way. And it's the kind of thing that allows me to sleep at night. I don't like to feel rushed. And I believe if I'm given the luxury of time, it only gives me a much more stable and comfortable relationship with somebody. It's don't rush me because I work at a certain pace. I understand there may be a sense of urgency, but I, I shouldn't be shuffled out a door. And, and I, I think that a lot of companies today are taking advantage of their clients. They might feel it's inelastic. They don't have an, an, a choice or other options. And mm. I think that's terrible. Mm. Um, you know, before even landing my first account, I would have given my left arm to do anything in business and to see if I could do it. And so as large as I've grown, it made me even more humble. Not that it could be taken away at any time, just the fact that it was offered to me. And my yeah, stars yeah. were aligned. And so the best business owners are the ones that know people's names, that walk the rows and, and can dine with their people, break bread with them, understand really where people are coming from. Because the leverage is with the employee. If nobody comes back the next day, you don't have a company. That's right. So exactly. That's the balance is you really need to figure out. <laughs> that's right. I, I think that's exactly right. Amazing. Uh, Richard, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, tell the folks out there where they can find more information about you. Well, just like yourself, my friend, on your honeymoon, you should buy a first-class plane ticket, come to Costa Rica and come visit me. And I can really <laughs> show But for your audience that's not doing it today, I have an extremely large Facebook fan page, about 113,000. Now, real quick, Josh, I'll give your audience a chance to see the business process outsourcing industry in Central America. We're north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. Only uh -huh. democratic society in Central America, so there's no standing army. They put all that money back into education. So there's a 95% literacy rate here. We have the most neutral English accents, the best infrastructure. We're known for ecotourism, which you know personally. I know it. Medical tourism. And your buddy Richard is here with a thousand and one suggestions for you and your amazing audience. And <laughs> I had the best time today, man. This was really a lot of fun. <laughs> Richard Blank, CEO of Costa Rica Call Centers. Thank you so much for coming on Great Mondays Radio. It has been a real pleasure and I have learned so much. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio. Hey, if you want to be a guest, head over to greatmondays.com slash radio. We'd love to hear from you. And if you think this episode was interesting and your friends and fans would enjoy it, please share on social media. And if you want to get more people to understand the power of company culture in business today, please rate and review 
Great Mondays Radio on your podcasts app or podcast feed. It really helps us reach more people. If you want to make sure to hear more candid conversations with culture leaders, subscribe to Great Mondays Radio. And I'd love to connect with you. Find me on LinkedIn at aka Josh Levine, on YouTube at Great Mondays, and you can always email me, josh at greatmondays.com. Find out more about our work with hypergrowth technology and social enterprise organizations, or grab a copy of our book at greatmondays.com. I'm Josh Levine. Thanks for listening to Great Mondays Radio.